0: Feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. tips, tips, tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life 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 Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts.
1: Welcome back to the LifeTube Show, everyone. Byron Wright here with Dr. Rao. Dr. Rao, welcome.
2: Hello, Byron. Glad to be here.
1: We have some great challenges we're going to take on today, and I want to thank you for discussing. I want to footnote this by saying that I saw you speak at the Inc. 5000 conference and so thoroughly enjoyed your presentation there. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome. Were you at the main stage or were you also in the breakout?
1: Uh, both, actually. So uh, d- double applaud for you there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I want to uh, ask you a little bit about an opening question here, which is what is fundamentally wrong with executive these days? I know you've spent uh, your journey in, in the executive world and, and, and coaching executives as you move on. Maybe tell our guests a little bit about your background and, and try to point us to what you think is fundamentally wrong with us these days.
2: Okay. Uh, I worked in a number of corporations and I did pretty well. Uh, I had my big break when I was at Warner Communications and Warner Brothers, which is the motion picture subsidiary, came up with uh, the, a blockbuster film. And I was the person who selected the advertising execution for that film. And it wasn't a blockbuster film then, but it went on to become a blockbuster film. This is the original Exorcist.
1: mm. Very interesting. Do you remember
2: the advertising for The Exorcist? It shows a guy with a hat and a cape standing in front of a lamp and casting a shadow. Uh-huh. That's my contribution to Americana.
1: <laughs> it, and it just went uphill from there.
2: It, it did wonders for my career, so I was pretty successful. But I got tired of corporate politics, and I went to uh, went into academia. Uh, with a live expectation that there would be no politics there. And I discovered that politics was very alive and well in the uh, university world as well. So I remember thinking, gee, this is not the life I signed up for. What I discovered when I was a corporation, what I discovered when I was in academia, that the vast majority of persons are to various extents disengaged from what they do. They want to be happy. they want to have material success. They kind of conflate the two and say that "I will be happy when I have material success and By material success, i don't mean just money uh, it's also things like uh, power uh, having an impact and a whole bunch of things, and they go around striving for that with the expectation that that will make them happy, fulfilled, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh-huh. That is the fundamental problem. Uh-huh. They don't recognize that the model they're using and the model they're using is, if this happens, then I will be happy. I call it the if-then model. Uh-huh. It's the model that's broken. Most people never recognize it's the model that's broken. They think that they put the wrong thing on the if side of the equation. And uh, when they try something and say, if I get this, then I will be happy. And they do get it. And they find that they are happy for a minute, an hour, a day, a week. And then they're back to where they are. They think, well, I put the wrong thing on the if side. I had to put, it, put the right thing there. They never recognize the model is broken. That is a fundamental human predicament. It's true of executives. It's true of practically everyone. And that's why we're on this race where we are constantly driving to achieve something external. Now, here's a fundamental truth I'd like to share with you and your readers. Mm -hmm. You cannot solve solve an external uh, problem. Uh, My my mistake. Uh, Can you edit this out, please? Yes, we can. Absolutely. All right. Uh, My thing is you cannot solve an internal problem with external action, and that's what we all try to do.
1: Hmm. Why do you think it's difficult for us to see this so simple concept about why we're chasing perpetually something that is really the wrong thing to be chasing?
2: A number of reasons for that. One, we are brainwashed from a very young age by well-meaning people. That includes our parents, teachers, friends, coaches. Uh, There is a very powerful industry, the advertising industry, which is constantly telling us that we will be well if we do something, which is generally by what is being uh, advertised. So our entire culture is shaped like that. And by the way, the well-meaning people don't intend to do you down. It's simply that they have been brainwashed, and they never recognize that they have been brainwashed. Hmm. So it's an entire societal thing.
1: Hmm. Do you feel that different cultures have uh, different levels of, of uh, call it, you know, appreciation and, and, and definitions for success?
2: Uh, Yes, it is true that uh, there are cultural norms, and in many countries and different cultures, there is a different expectation. Uh, I used to teach at many of the top business schools in the world, and practically every time I taught, somebody would come up to me and say, Professor Rao, I was in X, and X is a remote part of a country, generally a third-world country, and uh, they'd say, you know, they had nothing. And when they say they had nothing, they meant uh, things that we take for granted, like hot and cold running water, indoor toilets, uh, (coughs) reliable uh, internet, uh, safe travel. And they didn't have any of this stuff. And then they'd say, but they seemed so happy. And there was almost an aggrieved tone in their voice. How could they not have all of this and be happy? And I have all of this and I'm carrying around this hundred pound boulder on my head. So, yes, there are differences. There are cultures where there is a premium put on different one. That's uh, uh, true. The unfortunate thing is with globalization, Western values, particularly American values on this, are spreading. So we are uniformly making the world a, a striving place. And in the striving place, there is some good, some good in the sense of uh, vast numbers of people are being risen by abject poverty, to a higher material level of well-being. But there is also a downside, and the downside is that their emotional lives are more of a wreck than they've ever been.
1: Hmm. Showcasing success and, and, and fame, if you will, uh, is important for us to do. Yes. The debate, of course, is how we showcase that. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and how we showcase our happiness, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you recommend we showcase that if we don't go out and buy materialistic things and buy a bigger house and buy our Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all the other things that executives probably seem make sense for them to go do?
2: Yeah, It's interesting you say that because if you look at our society, I used to be a contributing editor for a magazine now defunct called Financial World. And one of the things financial world would do is they'd come up with an issue, which was who were the top earners in the financial services industry. And that was hands down their most popular issue. And if you look at Forbes, the Forbes 400 issue is certainly one of the most uh, <coughs> widely purchased, if not the most widely purchased issues and magazines are always reporting people, uh, and uh, a big part of what they report is, you know, what their net worth is. So culturally, we've got an entire media industry which is promulgating that, and then we have shows like The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and Celebrities who Flaunt What They Have. So as a society, we are obsessed with uh, material wealth And we also use that as a proxy for, well, he's got so much money, he must be happy. And all you got to do is read the gossip columns to know that those who are extremely well-off are not necessarily psychologically well-balanced or at ease and at peace with themselves. So from a media perspective, I think it would be wonderful if there were a lot more stories devoted to people who have found a sense of meaning and purpose in their life, and particularly when this stems from their doing something which brings a greater good to a greater community. We do have those stories, but far too few of those, and they pale in uh, proportion to the other side that I just described earlier.
1: Hmm. Let's suggest that we want to profoundly change our lives. How hard is it and how long does it take? Because <laughs> that's how I think of it right now, which, by, which by the way, might be fundamentally wrong.
2: <laughs> no, it is fundamentally a, a, an excellent question. And uh, Byron, the answer to that is it is both extraordinarily easy and extraordinarily difficult. Both at the same time. If you ever read uh, Tale of the Two Cities, uh-huh. I love the way that Charles Dickens got rolling. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> in exactly the same way, if you want to change your life, you can quite literally change your life on a dime. Uh-huh. And uh, in fact, I have an entire program which where I help persons uh, make radical transformations in their life. And it begins with a clear understanding that what has got you to where you are are certain habitual patterns of thought. Uh And once you recognize clearly that that is how you dig yourself into a hole, it is very easy to make changes. Uh The difficulty lies in, not in understanding what you have, that's easy, not in terms of the initial impetus, that's easy, but in terms of actually sticking to it until the new habit, uh, the new patterns of thinking become your default. And that takes quite gentle persistence. It is not difficult in the sense of it's a lot of effort. It is difficult in the sense of you have to overcome years, probably decades of conditioning. And that only happens when you have a clear vision of this is what the human condition can be like. Hmm. And you're determined to accept nothing less in your life.
1: Do you find that your students that are successful and achieve happiness uh, quickly get discouraged with the corporate environment and actually bail out and back out and realize that there's more to life?
2: Uh, There are both kinds, Byron. Some of them decide, hey, you know, this is not the life that uh, I wanted, and they bail out. And others say, hey, you know, this is exactly the life I wanted, but what they are able to do is they're able to create a bubble around themselves and that bubble has a different less toxic and sometimes even a nurturing environment and that bubble by the way has an environment which may be different than that of the organization as a whole but it's a viable bubble and within it they function and they live a you know quite happy and fulfilled existence huh.
1: Have you taken on the environment itself as something you'd like to change rather than just individuals?
2: This is very, very, very much a mission of mine. And uh, uh, my dream, the reason I continue doing what I do is I have a vision that uh, one day there will be a world when people get up and uh, say, oh, wonderful, it's Monday morning, (laughs) as opposed to, oh, God, it's Monday morning. And I think that's very easily doable. I I am a big fan of business. I think business is the only institution which is capable of solving the social problems that we have. And uh, what we really need is a different metric for measuring the success of business. And this doesn't have to do with shareholder value, doesn't have to do with maximization of shareholder value or revenue targets or earnings targets. It has to do with What are we doing to solve some major social problem? In other words, a company has to stand for something which brings a greater good to a greater community and absolutely devoted and dedicated to it. And when that happens, you'll find the persons within the company are engaged to an unbelievable extent. And the thing that I'm most gratified about is I see that there are a number of entrepreneurs who are working in that direction both to make things better within their company and in the world outside.
1: There's a real thirst right now for entrepreneurial life, particularly in the United States. Um, Is finding and measuring measuring happiness easier if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a company?
2: Uh, It is. I wouldn't say it's easier, but I would say that it is doable. But it is only doable if you explicitly recognize this as a core value that you want to have as you build your company. In other words, it doesn't happen by happenstance. You do have to have the senior people in the company and certainly the fo- the founder and the chief executive who explicitly says, this is important. What do we have to do to make sure that this happens?
1: Huh. Tell me a little bit about dealing with the challenges of the environment around you, the, the people, the policies, these these things that are outside of your control. Um, is that really the source of, of the misery here in <laughs> and, and how we deal with those challenges?
2: Well, here here is the point I invite you to think about, Byron. The, it, I'm not contesting that there are environments where it's easier, quote unquote, to be happy. And there are environments which are toxic. In fact, i spend spent a great deal of time talking about toxic environments and how you can make them less toxic. But ultimately, the life you lead is one that you craft for yourself. And every time you say, you know, I'm really unhappy because, and you put it outside, what you're really doing is you're letting somebody or something determine your level of well-being your emotional well-being i think that's a damn stupid thing to do Uh. okay let's say you have a boss and you do not like your boss now because the person is your boss that person has a certain amount of say in terms of what you will be doing how much time you will be spending and things like that that comes with the territory But that boss has absolutely no say in your emotional well-being unless you hand that power away. And I'm saying it's a very stupid thing to hand that power away. Let's take
1: a break, everybody. Back in just a few minutes.
2: Life Tips will be right back after this short
0: break.
1: at BruceClay.com.
0: ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping your products. The A in all-inclusive marketing means award-winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement, and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here
2: are your hosts.
1: Welcome back. We're with Dr. Rao. Thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure entirely,
2: Byron.
1: It's been fun. Let's keep going as long right. as we possibly can.
2: You ask good questions, by the way, so I had no problem with that.
1: Oh, terrific! Tell us about the Tell us about creativity and personal mastery—the the course that you've taught. Hmm? I am finding this remarkable that you can take about, let's see, six days, seven days of people's lives. I love how you break it up over these intervals. And really have people, I'm guessing, dig very deeply into this concept of change. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That the, the course itself, and and the way you've structured it, and, and spacing it out. Can you talk with that with with the folks about that a little bit, listeners?
2: Absolutely. Uh-huh. I told you about a time in my life when I was feeling disoriented and feeling that my life had gone astray. This is when I made the transition from corporate life to university life and found that politics was as much a part of university life as it was a part of corporate life. What I had been doing all my life is a lot of reading, spiritual biography, mystical autobiography that would take me to a very nice place. And then I came back to the real world and it wasn't so nice. And I remember thinking that all of this was useful only if you were sitting quietly thinking peaceful thoughts, then it was actually pretty useless. But somehow, I can't explain how, I knew that that wasn't true, that this was extremely valuable, perhaps even the only thing that was valuable. I just hadn't figured out how to make use of it. So one day I came up with an idea, which is why don't I take the teachings of the world's great masters, strip them of religious, cultural, and other connotations, and adapt them so that they're acceptable to intelligent people in a post-industrial society. And the thought of doing that made me come alive. So I created that course because I needed it for me. That is the course that became Creativity and Personal Mastery. And the reason that it can change people's lives is consider my sources. These were the greatest masters the world has ever known. They lived at different times, belonged to different traditions, but they completely understood the human predicament. And what they came up with has been tested over the millennia, and it absolutely works. So how can you take my course and not have your life changed? It's impossible.
1: Hmm. You, you have such wonderful uh, things to say about other people, Uh, other masters uh, in the journey of life, yet putting these things together has really been the hard part, and you've handled that. Tell us a little bit about who you decided to draw upon to reflect on on the challenges that you're helping people with.
2: Well, that's very simple, Byron, and rather than answer you uh, definitely, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, if anyone's interested in that, they can go to my website, which is www.therauinstitute.com. And if they click on programs, they will come across the CPM program. And then there is a further place where they can click for the complete syllabus. And in the syllabus for my program, there is a section called life-changing books. And mm-hmm. that is a fairly... comprehensive listing of the sources from which I draw my inspiration.
1: Hmm. Tell us about the structure of of the course and, again, this interval approach. Do people have homework assignments in between the weekends?
2: Uh, They do have assignments, but I don't call them homework. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, the entire course is an assignment because what I assume is that when you're in there for the duration, it's generally 10 to 12 weeks. This will completely consume you. And people, in fact, are completely consumed because I have an advantage because I'm talking about the most interesting subject in the world for everyone. I mean, Uh yourself, who's Uh not interested in himself. And And this is what I'm talking about. And they make phenomenal discoveries about who they are and where they're going. And they're completely enthralled. Uh So essentially what happens, and this is a... Fairly radical concept to many people in the West, though those who have studied yoga and meditation are somewhat aware of that. What they do not recognize is that they don't live in a real world. None of us live in a real world, we live in an artificial world, a construct. It's as if we were living in the matrix. Only this is not a matrix that's constructed by an alien civilization out to enslave us. It's something that we have constructed with our habitual patterns of thinking. And once I demonstrate that, and I've got a number of exercises which, uh, you know, bring that home, I mean, dramatically home to persons in the program say, oh my God, I never recognized that. And from there on, it's a journey of discovery. And each time you have a journey of discovery and you make a change in uh, your mental models, you find that it reflects itself immediately in the world outside. So that's how I have people who generally start off as skeptics, become believers, and quite a few become evangelists by the time the program's over. I discovered early on, because I taught at top business schools, you can't tell intelligent people anything. My program works because I let them discover it for themselves.
1: Hmm. How would you expect someone to feel better by successfully going through your program and being enlightened with, with life betterment? How will they feel?
2: Okay, they, I can tell you a number of things. The first thing that happens is their relationships improve across the board. With, uh, with spouse, with children, with friends, with relatives, with colleagues, with customers, with bosses across the board. In fact, I recently met yesterday, as a matter of fact, someone who had taken my program and she said, you know, Professor Rao, thank you so much. I haven't fought once with my husband since I took your course. Uh-huh. And that is a pretty common thing. Your relationships improve. Uh, what also happens in many cases, and this is particularly true of entrepreneurs, is there's always a low level of stress in your life. If you're asked, are you happy? You would say yes, but you're always buzzing. There's things that you have to do. There are uh, There's a quiet unease under the surface. And a lot of that goes away. So you still do what you have to, but there is a sense of joy, peacefulness, serenity, rather than unease and stress. Hmm. That is huge. And when you have that, by the way, you also become much, much more creative. Hmm.
1: It's it's interesting that you should use the word creative because you have the word creativity and personal mastery as the name of your course. How does creativity play into that? Do you have to be creative in how you're approaching this thinking or are you releasing creativity with how you solve problems? Why is that word important to you?
2: Creative is important. Because many people tend to think of themselves as not creative and my take is that all of us are creative and there is one very creative endeavor that we are all engaged in whether we recognize it or not and the very creative endeavor that we're all engaged in is we are crafting the perfect life for ourselves. And we, when we recognize that this is a conscious process of creating, it really makes a huge difference. You know, we talk about the paintings on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel or the giant statue of Gomateshwara at Sravana Belgola. Those are massive, wonderful creations. Your life is a creation. And I encourage persons to think about it Your life is a creation. It is a work of art. You are the artist. And where the creation begins is in your mind, between your ears.
1: How would the world be better if we all took your course and mastered it?
2: How would the world be better? Well, the world would be, it would be the equivalent of saying, you know, we have (laughs) these great masters who have uh, strode the earth. Would it be better if we all really listened to them and implemented their teachings? Mm -hmm. So I admire your question. I think that we would have uh, none of the violence that so dominates the uh, headlines of our major newspapers. Mm. But it's not because they take my course. It's because they're exposed to the ideas there which have been drawn from the great masters. And I think that those great masters can completely transform not just individual lives, but the entire world. And they will. We're heading in that direction, but Mm -hmm. much too slowly, from at least from my perspective.
1: My two final favorite questions are, who would you like to get a hold of you, and how can they get a hold of you?
2: Well, what I would like is a particular type of individual, and the type of individual I want is someone who's very successful, but is aware that given his or her talents, could have accomplished a great deal more and would like to. And at the same time is also conscious that we are a speck of dust on a cloud of earth whirling around in the middle of nowhere, that one day we will disappear along with all that we hold dear and have spent so much time and energy amassing. And there is a spiritual aspect to their life. They want to know who am I, where am I coming from, what is this all about? And they haven't quite been able to reconcile those two aspects of that, and they would like to. They would like to spend a li- have a life of deep meaning and purpose and considerable accomplishment and leave an impact on the world. And how do you do all of that? That's the kind of profile of person that I'm looking for. And how they can find me, extremely easy. Let them go to my website, theraoinstitute.com. That's T H E R A O institute.com. And if they register on that, they will get writings from me. You know, they'll learn about my programs. And I think they'd find it pretty interesting and useful.
1: Dr. Rao, it's just been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure entirely, Byron. Thank you for having me there.
1: Terrific. We'll uh, we'll look forward to having you on again. If you have any breakthroughs or insights that you'd like to update this fabulous community on, I'm sure they'd like to hear it. So you'd I be welcome.
2: Will. In fact, let me suggest something uh, straight off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a whole bunch of things that people are concerned about. One of the things they are concerned about is there is too much stress in my life. How is it? How can I eliminate stress in my life? Another one that they're concerned about is, you know, there's so much happening uh, happening in my life. I've got relationship problems, problems with my kid. Things are not going well at work. I'm feeling financially insecure. How can I be happy in the middle of all of that? Those are all things that I have specific exercises and techniques for. So anytime, if you want to talk about any of those, I'll be delighted.
1: Terrific. Well, I want you to, uh, uh, listeners, tune in to the Rao Institute, uh, Institute raoinstitute.com. That will be listed on the description for this show as well. Uh, And again, Dr. Rao, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: My pleasure entirely, Byron, and you have a totally wonderful day.
1: I, I will only because you have inspired me to do so, Dr. Rao.
2: You're altogether too kind, Byron.
1: <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. We'll look forward to seeing you next week on the show. Until then, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks to Dr. Rao. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.